Coming to you from the long-running music review website, adobeandteardrops.com. Both got hooked on the sweet temptation. Bringing you all of the amazing music that you're missing. I found my peace hidden in the story. My death will hold no need for mourning. From New York to Florida and all around the world, Rachel and Vaughn bring you the Adobe and Teardrops podcast. Both got hooked on the sweet temptation. Some ethical final destination. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 123 of Adobe and Teardrops. This is Rachel Colston. and I'm here with my co-host, Bella the Dog. Uh, but before we get into the music, I do want to talk about some important things. I created a playlist of anti-racist white voices and country and Americana music. I will put a link to that in the notes. It's on Spotify. And some people approached me asking me about what is the difference between anti-racism and what I described on Twitter as songs for unity. Um, as we know from the civil rights movement, there is no shortage of folk music that is about how terrible racism is and how we all need to come together. But there aren't really that many songs about what do we do after we come together, especially as white people. To me, anti-racism is about taking steps to recognize how white people uh, implicitly or subconsciously continue to perpetrate racism how to catch yourself in those moments and prevent yourself from repeating patterns that we as white people have been raised to perpetuate and how to ally ourselves with people of color and black people, especially as we all move forward in our search for justice and equity. So the songs on this playlist talk about very specific moments where people, white people understand uh, what is hidden within themselves and striving to move forward and do what's right. Not simply unity, not simply being nice to the black people in your lives, uh, (laughs) but taking concrete steps to change the status quo, because as we can see, it's not working. So I want to thank again, the Patreon and Kofi contributors, um, and the folks who sent me songs through Submit Hub, I unfortunately have to replace the laptop I'm using right now, which meant that the money and I just was short this month because <laughs> um, I'd been donating to other causes. Uh, so, but I am making a commitment that all of the money this podcast earns through Coffee and Patreon and Submit Hub is going to go to the Trans Justice Funding Project. Uh, this is an awesome organization that gives micro grants to local grassroots uh, POC led trans organizations. And it just kind of slipped my brain, but uh, it was sort of the natural fit for the organization to donate to both for June and July because uh, Karen Pittleman of Karen Sorrows helped get the whole thing off the ground which is awesome. So one way, one of the many ways I'm committing to being a white accomplice, 
as opposed to simply an ally, is to donate those earnings to an organization that will directly benefit people of color and especially trans people of color because it's Pride Month. And if you want to look at other steps for how to get involved, I really like the website whiteaccomplices.org. Uh, it's very simple and concrete and easy to read. And I, hopefully it'll get your uh, brain juices flowing. Um, got a bunch of music. And another reason why this episode is another big chonker is because I interviewed Justin Hiltner and Kara Kundert of Bluegrass Pride about their upcoming queer festival, Porch Pride, that is going to be on June 27th and June 28th. Stick around to the end of the podcast because we'll be talking more about what Bluegrass Pride does and a little bit more about how the two got Porch Pride together. Another thing I'm going to try differently for this episode is to have three sets of five artists. So there's going to be like a lot of music and then a little bit of me talking in between the music. Um, just want to shake things up. Let me know if you like having these long chunks, especially for Patreon listeners. It's going to be like something like 20 solid minutes of music. Um, but also, if you want me to go back to having like a bunch of small chunks, that's cool too. Um, when we get into July, I'll be switching back to having 10 to 11 songs per podcast instead of these monsters. But there's a lot of music to catch up on. And one of the albums that I missed when it came out was La Dama. They are a pan-American collective of women in Latin music. And this is their second album, Oye Mujer, which means Hey Woman. And it is a call to all women to rise up and protect themselves across Northern, Southern America, and the whole world. So we're going to start out with Mysterio. And then, Patreon listeners, you'll hear Tierra Tiembla. See you in a little while.
arropado por el sol, la luna, el mar y el río de Nueva Orleans. Artistic taste, and I live the clothes we wore. 
that we save for dark Lost the plot before they'd even start Except once when we were drunk and then you kissed me hard So I faded to a distant star In the brightest company but everything was so far Thinking a lot of times past this cash this thing just stays Pony puppy, kitty guppy, pony puppy. 
old man throws on yesterday's clothes Blows black and mild smoke through a busted nose Trash is piling up behind a frozen pond Thoughts come a-knocking, they never stay long He shuts his eyes and sees a neighbor girl A hundred feet away in a whole other world Waiting on the porch for her boyfriend Tucker That boy Tucker, he's a real jerk Tires screech and he squints his eyes Sees a lime green duster Stripes on the side And a red bumper sticker reading Rebel Pride Tucker and the neighbor girl are going for a ride They're off to the bars like the night before And they'll come home and fight if they come home at all the old man waves to catch a neighbor girl's eye Tucker flips him the finger as they drive on by Here we sit, amazing grace A puzzle smile upon our face Running out of time Feeling out of place Here we sit Amazing grace Headlights Flash across the old man's wall On the wrong side of Saturday night last call It's too hot to sleep Too tired to dream A car backfires And someone screams He peeks through the blinds At the neighbor's house The hall light's on But the porch light's out The concrete's cold Beneath the old man's feet Moon shines down on a dead end street. Here we sit, amazing grace, a puzzle smile upon our face, running out of time, feeling out of place. Cop takes a statement in a blue lit haze He's been fighting with his wife Hasn't slept for days A bullet in the head is just a cry for help So everybody figures Tucker shot himself The neighbor girl still hangs out at the bar And no one knows what happened to Tucker's car the old man's yard still looks like hell But it's a step up from a prison cell 
So he keeps his mouth shut and she does as well Amazing grace
after La Dama, you heard Nana Grizzle. They're a New Orleans-based queer punk band. I got to see uh, the lead singer play a show with Your Heart Breaks and uh, Lomelands, uh, I think, last summer. And it was just one of the best concerts I've been to. Um, as you can hear, just super sweet, super poppy, and super well-crafted and serious and pointed punk. <laughs> Uh, we carried the feeling. I picked this song like two weeks before the protests even happened. Um, I don't know what else to say, right? Like, this is also a great example of anti-racist songwriting in action, but because Nana Grizzle was punk and not Americana, I didn't put them on my list. But I do like the use of horns. And Patreon listeners, you heard Jangle Manifesto. I definitely recommend that you check out the album South Somewhere Else. And when you do, listen to Not the Night Wind. But yeah, this album is on my top whatever of 2020 list. It's one of the best I've heard so far. Yeah, beautiful. I can't wait till they can tour so I can come see them again. After Nana Grizzle, we heard Susie Callahan. I've had some of her like kind of fun, quirky uh, chamber pop art rock sort of songs and the band's new album not exactly sad kind of dives into all those spaces you heard bicycle in your future and then patreon listeners also got to hear edge of the universe from not exactly sad after Susie callahan that beautiful gravelly voice you heard was ben delacour with amazing grace slight return patreon listeners you heard uh, one of ben's trademarked southern gothic songs in god we trust all others pay cash this is from shadowland which is also going on my top whatever of 2020 uh, um, list i've been a fan of ben's since his first album came out and he's got this kind of like penchant for southern gothic but this is also i think one of his best this is actually the first album ben has made since uh getting sober and i think that clarity really shines through and that last kind of whimsical song you heard was the Northern Bell with Remember It, which is a single coming from their upcoming album, We Wither, We Bloom. Northern Bell is one of the pioneering Nordicana bands. Uh, they're starting to make some inroads here in the States. And yeah, like ABBA meets country music. Sometimes it really works. Sometimes, well, those songs you don't hear on here. <laughs> um, yeah, before we get into the next set, uh, in case anyone wants a Bella update, uh, right now she is hanging out on the bed with me. Um, Rosa and I have been arguing about whether or not we should let her sleep on the bed with us. And the last couple of nights we've been letting her kind of hang out once we turn the lights out. But uh, Rosa's a very light sleeper and eventually she's just like, nope, dog's gotta go. Um, last night we did that and she cried and scratched at the door for like two whole hours. So eventually we just let her back in. <laughs> oh, brat. We've been trying to train her to go and sleep in her doggy bed. And we've been able to train her to go into the bed, but I think it's gonna take another week or two to get her to stay there. So we just moved her dog bed back out into the living room. Uh, she's also being really picky about the food she eats and has been since we've gotten her. Um, and we had been using the kibble for training, but I didn't really feel like it 
this morning, so I stuck a bunch of kibble in her little chew toy that has, like, a hole in it. And she went crazy all morning chasing it around and trying to get kibble out, so hopefully she will be just as excited about it tomorrow. Because uh, I'm getting really tired of feeding her by hand. <sighs> she really is kind of like a dumb toddler. An exceptionally dumb one. We've decided that she's kind of got a himbo personality that means like a sort of dumb jock but sweet guy uh, much like Adora from She-Ra yeah very sweet dog not always the sharpest tool in the shed especially when it comes to self-preservation um but speaking of that self-preservation American Aquarium's new album Lamentations really dives into that sense of know redemption and surviving and moving on from a painful past so we're gonna start it out with the luckier you get patreon listeners you'll also hear how wicked i was from lamentations the album's received a lot of praise and like so yeah on my first listen through uh i thought i at least recaptured the energy of burn flick or die which is like their breakout album um i don't think it's necessarily better than Burn, Flick, or Die, you know, for all the praise this is getting. Uh, it's certainly better than their last couple of albums, so I'm glad that BJ has formed a band around himself that seems to really be into the energy that he wants. Um, but yeah, there are so many really beautiful moments on here. So yeah, the first song you'll hear is The Luckier You Get. Patreon listeners, you'll hear How Wicked I Was from American Aquarium's Lamentations. After that, you'll hear Andrea and Mud with Birmingham, Alabama, 8.30 a.m. Patreon. The harder you work, the luckier you get. The more you get done, but the less you regret. Write it down so you never forget. The harder you work, the luckier you get.
up on this bar stool since a quarter past nine. Been 600 miles, three state lines, and the well is calling me. Down in the cut, laying in the rough, and the cicadas are starting to whine. Take it one step, two steps, three steps, and I'll stumble half asleep. Tongue woman. I want to 
And I wish I could remember where I was Last night when I got this glitter on my face And I don't think I recognize this bed Or the fact the carpet is a vibrant red And I don't know exactly what I did All I know is that now I feel like shit and it's not like me to forget everything And I hope my mind isn't hiding what's embarrassing 
It's coming back to me Dancing in the bright lights As we drink tequila sunrise And I'm acting like a dick But I don't care Forgetting all my best nights Got my friends right there beside me And as long as they were there I couldn't care And I wish I could find my credit card The last time I had it I was at the bar And I wish I could remember who you are But I'll just smile and hope our chat don't go that far And I wish I knew where this bruise came from and I hope I didn't ruin anybody else's fun And my breast it still smells quite a lot like rum But I'll just stay indoors today and block out the sun And it's not like me to lose all my things Now I'm on Google and I'm trying to give the club a But it ain't easy Because I don't remember Where I've been Now I'm avoiding all the bright lights And I'm drinking sunny delight And I'm trying to stay hydrated So I'm not sick Then I get a call from my friends Say they're doing it all again And I guess I'll never learn From any of it As we are, see us and we're holy in this. Shall we shall ever be holy ourselves? Your love will take us far. Praise us and we'll show you from heaven to, to the glory holes, glorious and free.
So after American Aquarium, you heard Andrea and Mud with Birmingham, Alabama, 8.30 a.m., and used car salesman for those Patreon listeners. And that's from their new album, Lines. Andrea and Mud are an Atlanta-based duo made of Andrea Colburn and Kyle Mud Mosley. They met at a legendary Shack Shakers show, and uh, yeah, it sort of explains a lot about their sound, doesn't it? After them, you heard Victoria Bailey's new single, Honky Tonk Woman. That's going to be from an album out, I think, later this summer or September called Jesus, Red Wine, and Patsy Quine. I mean, wow, what a perfect classic country crooner voice. I wrote up the song as a premiere a couple weeks ago, so head the, to the show notes so you can find the link there. After Victoria Bailey, you heard Will Hawkins with Bright Lights. Seems to be a single. I played Will's music, his EP, Unoriginal Song, several years ago, or at least I wrote a review up or something. Um, yeah, great folk punk singer from the UK with some really serious Frank Turner vibes. And then, sort of echoing that queer punk, uh, folk punk kind of uh, feeling, we had Erin McKeon's The Queer Gospel from her album, Mirrors Break Back, According to Us. Uh, yeah, she's somebody who I guess really should be on my radar. I just kind of forgot about her, even though she was all over my Pandora at around the same time I discovered like Tupac Garage and all these other Americana artists. Um, I was reminded of her existence a couple of weeks ago when Queer Appalachia posted a fundraiser um, and she contributed a song. So I was like, wait, I should go listen to more of her stuff. And the Queer Gospel was like her most popular song on Spotify. And I think we could see why. So, yeah. Happy Pride, everybody. Moving into our last big set, we've got Courtesy Tier. This is a band from New York, and I've seen them listed by dozens and dozens of times at venues around the city and just never really checked them out. So I'm glad I finally had, you know, more of a push to look into their music because they reached out to me. And then we're going to hear Misty River with their song, Take This Dance, from live from under the Apple Tree Studios. Misty River is a duet of singer Carmen Fillon, whose name I know from somewhere, but I can't figure it out, and producer Adam Morley. Uh, if you've seen the documentary A Secret Love yet, this song is in the end credits. And yeah, just watch it. Great movie for Pride. Ostensibly, it's about uh, an older lesbian couple and one of the members of the couple played in the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. So it's a little bit about that. Um, the other member of the couple, couple was also a professional women's hockey player in Canada. And, but really it's about sort of aging and getting older and making decisions for the people in our lives who maybe aren't willing to make decisions for themselves. And especially in the case of these two women. There will be fire.
up and down and tumbling through the intersections of my irregularities. There's never been someone else to work around another shape with parallel insecurities. Well, I can't tell if this circuit is a Telling me, get to the point, don't cross the line And I said, baby, don't take this on a tangent We're just two hearts Arcing towards some unseen sign Waving back with hope we don't break into fragments That's right Oh, I can't tell if this or cuteness is a
song you heard in the middle of the set was Handsome Hound's Geometry of You, the title track from their new album. They're like a kind of funky band that moved from D.C. out to the Bay Area, which makes a lot of sense because I'm sure they found a lot of kindred spirits out there. Uh, yeah, I thought I'd break up the set with something kind of lighter. Who can resist a good litany of math-based puns? I mean, whatever. Stay mad if you can't. <laughs> After that was a New Zealand-based a uh, power pop duet of Imperial April. Uh, Peachy, that song was 
sort of tossed in the recycle bin from Victoria and Andy Knopf's electropop band, and they kind of went at it from a sort of power pop approach, and this is what we got. I really liked the sugary sweetness of the song. But I can't let you stay happy for too long, so that last song in the set, really haunting one, was Jake Blount's Where Did You Sleep Last Night from Spider Tales. I played it last week. Understandably, it was voted favorite song of last week's podcast. If you want to vote on your favorite song, you can contribute to the Patreon for this podcast for as little as $1 a month. You'll get to vote on your favorite song for each week. You'll get an early version of the episode before anyone else does. Super exciting. You get bragging rights. Uh, If you contribute more, you get extra music. And once I sort of get on my feet, um, catching up on stuff, I am going to start doing some live streaming of the podcast and you can come hang out with me while I do that. So that's all cool. If you want to contribute to the podcast and remember that all earnings from June and July are going to go to the Trans Justice Funding Project, um, feel free to send me money through Ko-fi, however much you want. I'd really appreciate that. So are the folks at Trans Justice Funding Projects. Um, and if you want to send me music, you can do that through Submit Hub. Now, again, you don't have to pay. I listen to all the music that comes across my desk. Uh, but if you do, it's going to go to a good cause for the next two months. So definitely consider that. We're going to close out with another heavier song with the Jerry Cans. Um, they're an incredible uh, indigenous band, First Nations band from northern Canada. And the song Swell, My Brother, off their brand new album, Echoes, uh, delves into uh, probably the second most concerning pandemic right now in Indian country, which is uh, teen suicide. Uh, right now, COVID-19 is uh, streaking through Navajo Nation, but suicide is also uh, a huge problem in those areas, thanks to decades of the same uh, things we've been doing to Black people as well. So, uh, you know, none of this is new. Uh, it, none of this is within the scope of the Trump administration. This is generations of abuse and neglect and hatred. And I hope this song can give people strength, and I hope it can remind us that um, there are a lot of rocks that many of us don't like to look under, but all that stuff is still there, even if it's not in front of your face. After the Jerry Cans, we're going to get into that interview with Justin Lutner and Kara Kinder of Bluegrass Pride, so we can end on a note of resilience and positivity. See y'all next week in Music We Trust and Music We Believe.
I'm talking with Justin Hiltner and Kara Kunder of Bluegrass Pride. Um, Y'all have a live stream Porch Pride Festival coming up. Um, I do want to note that I'm pretty sure Justin at this point is the person with the most interviews on Adobe and Teardrops coming in at at two. (laughs) So congratulations, Justin. I feel so special. (laughs) It's a... you know, a very coveted opportunity to come onto this podcast. <laughs> well, I hope that we are going to continue, like, I hope that we keep racking them up. Like, I want to be the first one to have an Adobe and Teardrops, like, five-time jacket, you know? Ooh. <laughs> yeah, well, I can't wait for your album to come out so we can talk about it. Exactly, exactly. And we're going to have some of those, uh, uh, luckily, you know, I'm not just, uh, the chair of Bluegrass Pride's uh, board of directors. I'm also on the lineup for Porch Pride, so some of those sad gay banjo songs will be will be happening for uh, for Porch Pride. Yeah, especially I remember one you played in Brooklyn a couple months ago, singing about kicking a uh, white supremacist ass, as I recall. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that that one is titled Oligarch, uh, Nationalists, and Capitalists. And right. uh, it really has only gotten more perfect, unfortunately, as, <laughs> as time goes on since, since writing it. But actually, I was thinking about that show recently when I got to see you in Brooklyn. Um, that was one of the last like, trips I took in the before times um, and uh, was just reading your uh, piece, um, uh, Country Queer piece on Paisley Fields. And I was thinking about uh, playing uh, that show in Brooklyn and then playing with, uh, with them uh, uh, in November and missing the, our little our little queer country community, but yeah, I mean we're all coming together for Porch Pride now. So <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna uh, ask Buffy to talk a little bit more. Well, before we talk about the festival, to talk a bit more about Bluegrass Pride and its origins because it does have a a really exciting story, I think. Uh, yeah, I'll take this one. Um, so Bluegrass Pride, we originally started as basically a side project of the California Bluegrass Association, essentially just to do kind of PR and outreach for them. The kind of theory behind it was that, you know, we haven't reached out to the LGBT community at all. We want to be like accepting an opening place for, for people of all backgrounds to come to Bluegrass, the CBA. And the biggest public event in California is the SF Pride Parade. Over 2 million people each year see the the stream for the Pride Parade. So we figured we might as well go where the people are (laughs) and do some outreach. And I don't think that um, when we originally started the project, we really realized how how much this project would speak to people. Because almost immediately, we started getting people from all over the country and even all over the world just really wanting to hop on board and participate and contribute however they could to the success of this project. So pretty much immediately we grew outside of California in, our, uh, in 2018, one year after that uh, first uh, Pride March, that award-winning Pride March down Market Street. Uh, we had two other groups start their own Bluegrass Prides. Uh, there was a Bluegrass Pride Portland and a Bluegrass Pride Vancouver, Canada. And then uh, In 2019, we also went and celebrated Bluegrass Pride in Raleigh for their NC Pride at Night. So we've just been kind of growing and expanding ever since then. In 2019, we actually became our own nonprofit um, because we had kind of really grown beyond just being a California nonprofit. And we're just trying to keep reaching new people and spreading the good word that Bluegrass is for everyone. 
Right. And Kara, you're the ED, the executive director, and Justin, you're on the board. And I was curious, uh, why make it a 501c3 as opposed to some kind of like grassroots Facebook social media connection situation? Um, I think like the kind of idea behind becoming 501c3 as opposed to not is just that it allows us to um, raise funds very efficiently so we can put those funds to good use and support those artists. So the more that we can convince people to donate to our cause, the more that we can give that money right back to our community. Mm -hmm. um, Justin, were you going to say something? Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, one of the things that, uh, one of the reasons why I'm so excited about Porch Pride is that it really gives us an opportunity to lean as hard as possible into our mission, which is that we just want to have a direct impact um, on the like lives and the experiences of queer people who make or love uh, roots music. And so uh, the idea of like a, a collective, like uh, uh, something that would be a even more decentralized than a 501c3, um, like is definitely, uh, I mean, it's not something that was like outside of our scope of imagination, but like in this way, now that we're like running full steam ahead for Porch Pride, uh, we can be the people who collect the, the, the donations and put it directly into the pockets of queer musicians um, who, as we all know, are disproportionately impacted not only by COVID-19 in terms of like in labor terms, like as, as, as uh, workers, as, as people who need to make living, but also for their health outcomes, and especially as um, for for uh, um, Black queer folks, for trans um, uh, folks, and Black trans folks especially, and so it it was really important for us from a mission statement standpoint, right? Like we we have a lot of work to do to get bluegrass to look as representative as our country does, but from a mission statement standpoint, we wanted to just be equipped to in moments like this, that we can just be like, okay, we're gonna do the thing that we wanna do, which is is support LGBTQ people who love bluegrass and old time and string band music, and especially the folks who make it. Right, so this uh, show has a $10 suggested donation, but obviously donate what you can. Um, and I was wondering if you could explain a little bit more about where those funds will be going. Um, you said that putting them directly into poc the pockets of musicians, but do you have other initiatives that are coming down the pipe? Um, yeah, so uh, the way that the funds for this are being dispersed is that we have already committed um, our entire budget for uh, what we were going to pay for the SF Pride Parade for our float, for all the supplies that are going to you know, support our marchers. All those funds are going straight into this. That's the first 3150 of pay for the artists. Um, and then we're raising funds both to kind of support Bluegrass Pride and our ongoing work uh, to support LGBT musicians and also to share with the artists who are playing in the lineup. So uh, our goal is that we're going to pay each of our artists, each individual artist, not just each act, um, at least $200 for their time. Right now with the funds that we uh, that we contributed, uh, we're paying each of them about 115, I believe. Um, so we have a ways to go. Um, and uh, the rest of it will be going to Bluegrass Pride and our ongoing work. We have a couple of initiatives, including uh, creating some volunteer um, training materials that will help 
kind of decentralize the work of Bluegrass Pride so that anyone who resonates with Bluegrass Pride can take our mission and our kind of programming that we are experts in and bring it to their own towns. And then additionally, we're working on creating what we're calling the safe venue directory, which is going to be uh, a constantly updated list of uh, music venues where uh, we believe that our artists will be safe as performers and that our audience will be safe uh, as you know, fans and friends of this community. Yeah, that's so smart. I've been seeing more often uh, in sort of like rock venues that uh, a band will often ask uh, the venue to put up like paper signs over the bathrooms to do any, especially like bands with a lot of queer or, or big uh, trans fan base. But then it always bothers me that like the next time I go, if the artist doesn't think to ask for that, um, or be probably because we're not even expecting like a, any trans people in the audience, uh, they just like revert back to normal. But <laughs> why not just have it that way all year round? Yeah, yeah ex exactly. And hopefully, like, through working with venues, especially now, like, like, we're in this, like, strange, like, purgatory for the music industry. So, like, mm -hmm. imagining, like, a safe venue directory, like, for queer performers is a very different thing than it was if we had this conversation three months ago it's i think that it's still really important to us as an organization because now there's kind of going to be this new we kind of have a blank slate as the music as the music industry so why not start these conversations with venues and spaces and, and uh, now and i think you know from a personal level i'd like to have conversations about like accessibility and mm -hmm. representation and um you know do do all spaces for music consumption need to be commercial but from like a chair, like from as the chair of Bluegrass Pride, the thing I want to be like is, hey, while you're imagining a future for your venue that like in an industry that's going to be kind of pockmarked coming out of this, we could maybe make sure you have queer people in your venue. Here's how mm -hmm. to make them feel safe. Here's how to just like we want to be part of a holistic kind of understanding of what our community needs to be as a music industry um, after COVID-19. But like we like we don't need to go back to a time before COVID-19 and before this current like uh, rebellion against police brutality and for black lives. We don't have to go back to the narratives. We don't have to go back to the quote unquote normal before, right? We don't have to take down the uh, non-binary uh, placards on the, on the restrooms. Like we can use this opportunity as a space to create uh, communities going forward that better reflects the, the truth of these communities all along, right? These uh, roots music has always been diverse. Roots music has always been representative. It's just the overarching narratives surrounding them have not. And I, that's how I kind of see all of this playing together. Yeah, I mean, if you have like a month's notice before your venue opens up, like why not use the time to install a ramp or new signage or anything to make it a better, yeah. I mean, I know money is tight for a lot of venue owners, but you know, we have the opportunity to think how to do, all of us have the opportunity to think of how we'd like to do things differently once um, people can more or less go where they please. Right. And like, we don't need to demand perfection from anybody, but mm -hmm. intention at least. Like, you know, well, I think for a lot, I've been making this argument as for as long as I've been an openly gay banjo player, which has <laughs> been quite a while now. But like, if we want to ensure the futures of these niche genres of music like we could at least make them more commercially viable while they're commercial and that means allowing for a broader customer base one that includes queer people and queer people all over this country 
um, and and uh, with all sorts of uh, perspectives and backgrounds and uh, and uh, uh, you know, all of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know what you're saying. Um, what is yeah. the climate within the bluegrass world like? Because I know that after y'all had the float in California, there was an official showcase at the international. Wait, what does IBMA stand for? International Bluegrass Music Awards. Music Association. Yeah. Association. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. At the. Well, it's yeah, like the no. big conference. And then it yeah. gets more confusing. But there's also the then award. they do the IBMA right. award. Okay. Yes. And then exactly. there's the World of Bluegrass conference and the Wide Open Bluegrass Festival, which is also <laughs> the same week. <laughs> like and then depending on acronyms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but depending on who you talk to, like everybody has a different perspective on what IBMA is and what they do. Like I'm somebody, when I refer to IBMA, I'm referring to the organization and its membership because it's like, you know, a grassroots organization. Um, and then other people refer to the conference. Other people refer to the award. It's, yeah, we're <laughs> okay. It's I'm a just a dragon all trades, so I'm going to plead. A, I know a little bit about lots of things. So thank you for clarifying. Ex exactly. Um, yeah. So uh, if you've, either of you have been, how do you feel the climate is? Um, Renan Giddens gave that incredible speech. I guess it was in 2018 now. Um, and I think there was an official showcase of queer bluegrass musicians, um, if I'm remembering that correctly. Yeah, I think probably Justin can speak to the overall bluegrass climate and the changes in it better than I can. I've only been a member of the bluegrass community for the past five or so years. So I'm still pretty fresh in the scene. Most of my experience in bluegrass has been being part of Bluegrass Pride. So it's been great for me, super <laughs> accepting. <laughs> um, I can speak a little bit to how it, uh, kind of the reaction to Bluegrass Pride in California, which uh, like when it was founded as a project of the CBA, there was a little bit of backlash within the community. Um, there were uh, some articles in like the SF Chronicle in 2017, like if you were starting to like assemble our flow and really pursue this project where um, there were some unfortunate quotes about Bluegrass Pride and people's reactions to Bluegrass Pride where there were some people in the CBA who were very upset that we were doing this. And they were saying, if we accept, you know, an LGBT group, and doing a parade there, then if someone from the KKK came and asked, would we have to do a you know, KKK march that was like... Yep, they're the same thing. Those are, those are different things. <laughs> um, so, but like really most of the, like the kind of strong reaction was in that first year. And ever since then, people have kind of realized that we really did bring a lot of new life into the bluegrass community here in California. And people have become really pretty accepting. Um, I haven't been like cussed out at a festival in a few years. So things are That's looking nice. up for me. <laughs> um, and I think overall people, people have recognized that it's, it's been something that's been very positive for the community and has brought a lot of new people in. So I think people here at least have, have calmed down and accepted it. Um, and in IBMA, I've kind of seen the same thing. People aren't so surprised or confused when they see us <laughs> at the, at the conference and at the, festival um uh for the we've we've run two lgbt um showcases at ibma one in 29 or 2018 and one in 2019 um and we've just had completely packed houses for for both of those showcases so people are excited to see 
you know, what we're up to and what Bluegrass Pride is doing and how it's changing the community, I think. <laughs> that must feel really vindicating. <laughs> Congratulations oh, to both been, of you. it's been great. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's really reassuring. I mean, it's really reassuring uh, for a lot of reasons, but chiefly because the changes that we're trying to make in, in our community, um, as far as like representation, not just for queer people, but for, um, for black folks and for people of color and for indigenous folks, like it mm -hmm. takes building infrastructure. It takes like building a community and like, and, and for so many of us who have been, you know, before Kara and I even connected, before uh, Bluegrass Pride was incepted, um, like <laughs> folks like myself and IBMA um, and uh, Brandon Godman, who was also somebody who started um, Bluegrass Pride and is on our board, um, and other folks who are just allies, like we all started kind of raising these concerns in the community, especially around HB2, um, the uh, uh, a transphobic bathroom bill in North Carolina um, a few years ago. And that kind of really started, you started seeing people coalesce around the idea that bluegrass didn't have to be the way we all assumed it had to be. Um, and I think that it really required that moment of like, of somebody just willing to stand up and be like, you guys know none of this is how it actually needs to be, right? Mm -hmm. So everybody started just raising their hands and being like, no, I agree. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, no, I agree. And now we're really getting to a point where because we built this to be a movement that is celebrating something rather than standing in opposition to something else, um, that we do, we have packed houses, like, because we aren't just, we aren't trying to start fights. We aren't trying to fight the hardliners who um, we know we can't convince that we're human or that we exist or that we you know so we're trying to show people that bluegrass can be how it's always been which is the music by people who had nothing and had nowhere to go and had nothing else besides each other and that common denominator you'll find applies to people of absolutely every type um and i think that seeing the queer movement gain so much steam so quickly um, in bluegrass, because um, it's built on a lot of generations of queer folks in bluegrass. Um, like we, it's proof of concept that we can do bigger things and that we can, we can see black folks penetrate bluegrass communities in old time and string band communities um, back to the level that they did when they created this music and, and indigenous folks and, and other folks of color as well. Um, yeah, I want to talk about the lineup. Um it's really diverse, uh, well, both in terms of who's performing, but also uh, in terms of genre. I was wondering how you went about putting the lineup together, because some people like Karen from Karen the Sorrows, um, I don't know if she would think of herself as a country, as a bluegrass singer, but um, obviously she belongs anywhere she wants to be. But uh, yeah, I was just wondering uh, how you put the <laughs> list together. Um. I can speak to that a little bit. Um, we basically like it was kind of a very loosey goosey process <laughs> on our end. Um, we like through the LGBT showcases and through um, through hosting these these pride events uh, in different cities and through uh, just kind of building out seasons of uh, performers uh, to help us fundraise over time. We have kind of built out this pretty extensive roster of people who are just in our contacts list. And so when we started this idea of hosting a weekend festival, we kind of said to ourselves, well, who do we know who we think 
would benefit from this? Um, and like, who can, who can we contact? And so we created this, um, a list. We kind of started with, uh, we had already secured kind of a pickup band for um, our SF Pride float this year, our float band. So that was like our number one list was who's on that, they're gonna be in our lineup. Um, who can we, you know, buttress this list with who will give us some more, um, like who has a really big audience that can help us uplift this whole crowd of people. If we have people with a really big audience, then they're gonna be bringing in more donations that will help uplift everyone. Um, and then we just kind of went through our own Rolodexes to see like what other LGBT performers do we think, you know, are excellent, who could benefit from this and who um, we think would be a good musical fit for what we're trying to create. So it wasn't really something where it was like, we want to create a hard driving bluegrass festival or we want to create, you know, a pure old time festival. We just wanted to create something that was going to be, you know, beautiful and authentic and uh, full of good gay vibes. <laughs> yeah. And like, just to, to build our community stronger, like to demonstrate that like, uh, we have bluegrass in the name and that's like the bread and butter, but like bluegrass does not, is not a music that exists in a vacuum. Um, it touches on so many of these other genres and roots music and that like to us, it's really about the people. It's about connecting people and, and, and making that feeling that we all have as people who like, um, people who identify as queer and also like music that uh, does not stereotypically like identify as queer, like uh, that we aren't islands unto ourselves. And so like connecting meaningfully um, in, in an event like this will always mean more to me than genre designation. And uh, while I'm also the same guy that's waiting for the day that we have enough uh, queer bands and representative bands that I can have my own like straight up and down trad festival that doesn't have a single straight white male on the on the bill. Like that's the dream. I want it to be like, I want to have, not maybe for bluegrass pride, but for me personally, I'd love to see straight up and down traditional bluegrass played by the most diverse and representative people. Um, Cause it's definitely possible and has happened before. Um, but that's not really necessary right now. And also like not really the point of what we want to do. So uh, I, I love the lineup. I mean, not just because Justin Hiltner is on it, but I love the lineup. <laughs> it's been kind of fun, actually. Like one of like the messages that I keep receiving from people is just like, "Wow, you're a lineup!" And it's like, Thank you. <laughs> We're really proud of it. <laughs> yeah, I am. To show like one. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. One of the things that has always been really important to Bluegrass Pride since day one was we always wanted to to bring excellence, and, and we knew that there were excellent people in the scene. Um, so I think like one of the kinds of pieces of feedback, quote unquote feedback that we received early on was like, it shouldn't be about gender or sexuality. It should be about how, like how you pick. And we just wanted to show like, you get like, we have great pickers in our scene mm -hmm. who are LGBT, but you haven't given a chance before. And what we've shown year after year is that we can just keep like this is a great untapped resource in bluegrass and in old time and in roots music yep. Yep. that should be uplifted yep. and celebrated. Yep. Marcy Markster has been here all along. All She's along. a shredder. <laughs> she is a shredder. Like she should be just on everybody's records. Like we have these stacked, like literally Kathy Fink and Marcy Markster started their own super group of women pickers um, during the era of all the bluegrass super groups, like the, the Telluride house band, 
style, like bluegrass supergroups, they started their own with all women because they knew that there weren't going to be any women who were in those quote unquote supergroups and on all of those sessions and on all those records. And now we're at a point where we have this new generation, multiple generations of people coming into these musics and being like, hey, we're going to we're going to take ownership of this. And we get to turn around and we get to look at like our forebears, like like Kathy and Marcy and be like, you're coming with us. You deserve more recognition. You deserve the world. Um, and we get to we get to show people that like not only do we get to be like a squeaky wheel in the bluegrass community and 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 raise a fuss about like we want we deserve to be here. We're we're proud of ourselves. We're proud of our community. Um, we get to do that with really excellent music, um, and um, and we always have. We've been so lucky. Um, like Molly Molly Tuttle marched with a, a bluegrass pride the first year. Lori Lewis was playing on the float. Um, Bill Evans has played on the float. Like Kathy and Marcy have. Like Adela May has. Like we've just been surrounded by just the absolute cream of the crop in bluegrass, and I think that's absolutely reflected in Port's pride as well. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm just super excited for it. Um, those are all the questions I had. Is there anything that you two want to make sure to mention before I forget? Uh, it's the two-day festival, June 27th on Saturday, and then Sunday, June 28th, from 1 to 6-ish, both nights, but double-check that schedule. Um, and I will see you all on Saturday and Sunday, depending on when I get back from the protest in New York City. <laughs> Perfect. You got your priorities yes. in order. I think the only thing I would mention like to, to listeners is that like we would love for everybody to tune in and to support us uh, a day of the festival, a days of the festival as well. But if you want to get involved now and want to help spread the word, if you uh, uh, are able to give now, um, uh, you can go to our website, bluegrasspride.net and give um, and uh, support this. And Definitely, like we want to be making, like, like we keep talking about building community. We want to be building community um, with with your listeners as well. So if, if people are interested, reach out. We want to hear from them. I would definitely second everything Justin said. All the information about uh, Porch Pride can be found at bluegrasspride.net/slash/porchpride. All like one word, no spaces or dots or dashes. Um, and we look forward to having you and your listeners tune in. <laughs> well. Thanks for stopping by for you all. It's this morning. Uh, for me, it's this afternoon. And uh, can't wait to see you all in a couple of weeks on my screen. Can't wait. All right. Yeah. Thank you. Happy we'll Pride. See you soon. <laughs> Happy Pride. Yeah. <laughs>
All original content is copyright Adobe and Teardrops. All original music is copywritten by their respective artists.